in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're moving into chapter 12. And let me just read the two verses to you to introduce it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, beginning in verse 1, he says, Wherefore? Now that's a troubling word there. Okay. Whenever he says wherefore, that means you've got to remember everything he said before. See, a wherefore, you have to, when you come across that in the Bible, you have to stop and ask, what's that wherefore, wherefore, therefore? And remember, it's a summation line. It says everything he said up to this point, he's summarizing. He says, wherefore, seeing we are also, or seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at the throne of God. Now, when you look at this from the perspective that we've been looking at it, you're moving into a new realm of what it means to live in the grace of God. Back the last chapter was a chapter on faith. He gave us a whole litany of Old Testament characters that live their life by faith. These he's describing as the cloud of witnesses or multitude of people who showed us how to live by faith. And he says, since we've had all this, all these witnesses of people that show us how to live by faith, he says, let us run with patience the races set before us. So let me give you the context here. What he's talking about is how you live your everyday life in the grace of God. And it's very, very important that we understand this because most of us are trying to survive. We're trying to figure out what we got to do to make it from day to day, what we've got to do to raise our families, to pay our debts, to do what we got to do day to day. And we forget, we have a tendency to forget that our lives as believers are supernatural. They're not just the natural life that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. They are supernatural. And we forget, therefore, the basis of true living in this world. We've already talked about the initial, and that is the faith. What faith is and what faith is required and what we have to live by, how we live by faith, is just simply wanting to believe what God says is true. That's a pretty simple definition for it. Our author tells us the reality of it is that faith, 
that which God produces in us is faith when we want Him to. And faith, that faith that He produces in us is the substance, the reality of what we hope for and the experience of the, or the evidence of things that we can't see. So faith has to do with the invisible world around us, the spiritual reality that we are engaged in, that our lives are truly about. And so having done that, he's told us essentially this. If you're going to live this supernatural lifestyle of grace and truth, which he's been calling us to all the way through the letter, if you're going to live that lifestyle, I mean really live it out day in and day out, you're going to have to exercise faith. You're going to have to want to believe what God says is true about you and everything else is true. You're going to want to believe it. But that gets you into grace. Okay, It's by faith we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Now let me just remind you again. When I talk about grace... I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about a way of living. I'm not just talking about an attribute of God. And I'm certainly not wanting you to confuse it with mercy. Okay, most people confuse grace with mercy all the time. They get confused. Mercy is when you deserve punishment. You deserve to be squashed like a bird and fried in hell. Mercy is when you deserve that and God doesn't, He withholds His punishment. That's mercy. And we all need mercy. I mean, that mercy is a good thing. But that's not grace. Grace is something far greater than that. Grace is a supernatural way that God works in you by His Spirit causing you to live out this new supernatural life the life of Christ, which you have received. So grace has to do with a lifestyle. And if you're going to enter into the grace and truth as a lifestyle, it's going to take faith. You're going to have to believe what God says is true about you. And we've rehearsed that over and over again. But that gets you into grace. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, by faith, we have access into this grace wherein we stand. But that's not all that's necessary. That's a one-shot kind of deal, you know. You get into grace by faith. What it's going to take to sustain us in that new lifestyle, what it's going to take to keep us keeping on is what we're going to talk about here in chapter 12. And that is hope. You see, by, by faith we enter into grace. But it's that hope that keeps us living in that grace, that sustains that grace as a lifestyle for us. And so our author is going to talk about a lot about this concept of hope. Now, it's not mentioned directly in these verses, but indirectly and the word joy, which we'll come back to later. In the Bible, hope and joy are synonymous because hope 
is simply a joyful, confident expectation about your future. You know you're going to be okay. That's hope. And so what he's calling us to here is saying, look, we've got all these heroes of faith, all these Old Testament characters, there were too num numerous for him to actually speak about, that show us a lifestyle of faith. And because of that, he says, it's time for us to enter into the race. Now he uses this metaphor of a race in verse 1, where he says, laying aside every weight, the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. That's a metaphor for, that he uses to describe your life. From now on, your life from this point until the day you go to heaven, you go to be with Jesus. That is the race that is set before you. It's your life from now on. And notice he uses the figure race, which is one of the internal reasons, by the way, and I think the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews anonymously, is because Paul uses it as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, for instance, he says, don't you know that Anybody who runs this race, everybody joins in and runs it all at once, but only one wins. So run that you might win. He's encouraging the Corinthians with that. Now the race that he's talking about is not simply a hundred yard dash. Okay, that's a quick, less than, I don't know what the hundred, the record is now, it used to be around nine, ten seconds to run a hundred yards. Neither is a 440-yard dash or a 440-yard sprint. Now, the race he's talking about is a marathon race. It's not just a matter of yards. It's a matter of miles. And it takes a tremendous amount of endurance to keep running in that marathon. And this is the race he's talking about, equating it to our lives. From this point on, we are running a race, a marathon. Now there are a couple things that our author in Hebrews here adds to us. And I'm just going to cover them quickly. I know you guys are freezing. No offense to our northern brethren who are laughing at us because we think we're freezing here who may be watching this on the YouTube in sub-zero weather, like my brother in Colorado. But I do want to make, it, make a couple of quick points here. Our author adds here something to that metaphor of the race, which Paul talks about frequently in his writings. He says, in order to run this marathon, you're going to have to lay aside every weight. Now, obviously, when someone is going to run a marathon, they're not going to dress up in heavy clothing and boots. They're going to strip down to only that which is necessary and light 
to run that race in prime because that weight will slow him down. And he also mentions that spiritually, if we're going to run this marathon, we're going to have to learn to lay aside what he calls here the besetting sin that does so easy, the sin that does so easily beset us. So let me give you the, the two corresponding ideas here. The weight that he's talking about that will prevent us from running this marathon race of living a lifestyle of grace throughout our life is the same weight that Jesus warned his disciples about. The weight that the Pharisees put upon men's shoulders. He warned them in Matthew 23, saying that they, or saying rather that the Pharisees make up all kinds of expectations, human traditions, and lay them on men's shoulders as a weight. What are those human traditions and expectations? They're simply this, and I want you to lump them all into one category. It's whatever people tell you is necessary for you to do in order to get God to like you, in order to get God to bless you. Whatever people tell you that you've got to do to earn God's favor is a weight that will keep you from running this marathon of a lifestyle of grace and truth. And it's obvious when you think about it. You're in grace. The power is not coming from you. It's coming from God working in you by His Spirit. So for somebody to tell you what you should do or not do in order to get God to bless you is ridiculous. It is a weight that slows you down. That keeps you from running effectively in this marathon race of a lifestyle of grace and truth. With regards to that sin that does so easily beset us, it's real simple. The sin that every one of us have trouble with daily is simply the sin of a sin consciousness or the sin of unbelief. What do I mean by a sin consciousness? If you are worried about what is sin and what isn't sin and what God's going to do in regards to your sin, that's a sin consciousness. It prevents you from finishing this race and fulfilling it effectively because it causes you to be self-centered. Your worry over your sin causes you to be self-centered. And when you're self-centered, you cannot do what you're here for. And that is to care about and love other people. You can't love others. Why? Because you're too worried about yourself. That's a sin consciousness, otherwise known as unbelief. Unbelief is the thing that gets us the most. That's the sin that does so easily beset us. Why? Because when you're not believing, you're not in the grace of God as a lifestyle. 
And so he warns us against those, those two obstacles. The weight of expectations, man-made expectations of what God wants you to do in order to get him to bless you. And that sin of unbelief, not believing what God has done for you to bless you already. He said, we're going to lay that aside. And then we're going to look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is our supreme example. If you want to know what it looks like to walk out a lifestyle of grace and truth in your everyday life, you've got to look at Jesus. He's the example. As John put it in his first, in his gospel letter, the law, rules and regulations, that all came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus. See, Jesus is our supreme example. And he's what we're called to be. See, our high calling of God in Christ Jesus is to be Christ to one another. Now, when I say be Christ to one another, I'm not talking about being religious. Jesus was the most non-religious person you'll ever know. In fact, it was the religious folks that cried, crucify him. It was the religious folks that opposed him in his ministry. So when I say you're going to be Christ to someone else, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about manifesting the character of Christ, revealing the very character of the person of Christ. That character is described by the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. That character displayed to others is what we're called to do. And the only way we're going to do that is by looking to Jesus. That's why he tells us in verse 2, looking to Jesus who, for the joy, the hope that was set before him, endured the cross. And there's one thing that will cause us to stumble in our race more than anything else. And that is personal suffering. When bad things happen to you, you immediately question, is God getting me? What have I done? Why, why is this happening to me? And it will take us away from a lifestyle of grace and truth. Jesus provides us with the example. I'm not going to go into detail here. We'll come back to it in our next study. He provides us as an example of living in this sin-cursed world that's falling apart and enduring the worst suffering possible. See, no one trusted God more than Jesus while he was here on this earth. Everything he did was based on what the Father told him to do. He trusted the Father. And yet no one living on this earth 
suffered as much as Jesus did. That's a fact that we've got to face when we look unto Jesus. So our author says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. What does that mean? He knows how to deal with suffering, with that hope. What was Jesus' hope in the suffering? He looked beyond the suffering of the cross and he saw that the suffering was a pathway to his glory. He saw the victory, not just for himself. Oh, no. He saw how he was going to create a brand new human race of brethren that he didn't have to be ashamed of. That you... He looked beyond that suffering and saw the glory. That's the view that Jesus had. Do you know you, you have available, available to you exactly the same perspective, exactly the same view? I call it the eternal view because that's what Jesus had. He had an eternal view. What do I mean by eternal view? Three important facts we'll come back and talk about more later. Number one, he wasn't surprised when he had to suffer. That wasn't a surprise to him. Now a lot of folks, they get surprised when something bad happens to them, like it shouldn't happen to them. Especially religious folks who make a deal with God, something like this, God, I'm going to do my best to serve you. I'm going to go to church when I don't feel like it. I'm going to read my Bible when I'm too sleepy. I'm going to listen to Christian music. And I'm not going to do a whole bunch of other stuff. And you, God, you don't let anything bad happen to me or people I love, okay? See, God didn't make that deal. Mm -mm. He didn't make that deal with his son, Jesus. He ain't going to make that deal with you. But when you make that deal with God, then anything that happens that's bad surprises you. Dang it, man, I made a deal with God. What's up with this? Jesus wasn't surprised by his suffering. And neither should we be. Suffering is part of this life that we have to face. Secondly, Jesus could see the end of his suffering at the beginning. That's what I mean by an eternal view. He could look at it like God looks at it. See, God doesn't just look at our suffering right now in time. We do, but he doesn't. He sees the end of our suffering at the beginning, and he tells us everywhere that the end result of that suffering is good for you. That's why he can say all things work together for your good. And finally, Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he couldn't lose no matter what his suffering was. He could not possibly lose. Now that's the same eternal view presented for us in the scriptures for all of us. That's how we continue 
to live in grace despite the suffering that may come our way. That's a very quick overview. Because it's cold, I'm going to let you slide. And besides that, I'm cold, so we're going to quit, go back, and huddle around the fire here. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, we come into your presence right now thanking you for the privilege we have of being used of you to live in this new lifestyle of grace and truth. We thank you for that, Father. We ask you to continue to teach us now. It's only you can do. Teach us how to go on and endure the things we must endure in this life to keep on keeping on walking in grace and truth. For these things I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Appreciate you all being out here in the cold. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.